You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Bear's interview with one of the stars from Freud's last session, Matthew Good. Professor Lewis. Dr. Freud. I've given you up for lost. Yoffe is my personal assistant. Really? Well, if a patient is calm, Yoffe always stretches out at my feet. But if a patient is agitated, Yoffe stands at my side. What should I make of his running away at the sight of me? Ah, well, he's also a fanatic about punctuality. Well, you have a wonderful home. My daughter, Anna, tried her best to replicate our home in Vienna. Forgive me, but why would you come here to see me if you disagree so passionately with my views? To make you realize that you're wrong. <laughs> well done. Good. You've insisted all your lives that the very concept of God is ludicrous. Yes. Why someone of your supreme intellect would suddenly abandon truth and then embrace a ludicrous dream, an insidious lie? Well, I wholeheartedly disagree. Well, of course you disagree. You have to disagree. Otherwise, the entire structure of your childish faith would collapse into a rubble. Why does religion make room for science, but science refuses to make room for religion? Oh, please, you're breaking my heart. Because they hide behind their ignorance. You hide behind your ignorance. I think that you're afraid to feel emotions at all. Is that your final diagnosis? Fascinating. I don't know. You don't know? Well, finally, 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 we're making progress. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with Matthew Good, one of the actors from the new film Freud's Last Session. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for inviting me along. You really got me out of the house this morning. It's great. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear it. You know, I, I'm really fascinated, especially recently with, it seems like a lot of performers have gotten very introspective with the strikes that have happened recently. And I'm wondering, you know, what is your process for choosing what projects you want to work on? And how did that come into play with, with this film? Good question. It's funny, I actually, well, I've been away in Los Angeles here, which is where I am now, and, and uh, a couple of years ago, and I was here for six months during COVID, and I kind of, it was a wonderful experience, but I missed my family terribly, and I got back to England, and, and I, I was offered another thing, and I was like, you know, I'm going to take some time, which is great, which, is, which, which was a real luxury, because um, I, I could afford to, just about, and then, and then a few things sort of come your way, and then on, what you're not expecting in the post is a script which is mainly a, uh, a two-hander with Anthony Hopkins. So, I mean, it could have been it could have been a riff on Sesame Street, and I'd have been interested. Hey, you're going to play the dustbin, and he's going to play Ask for the Grouch. Okay, fine. Okay, I, let's see if we can make it work. So, yeah, and then, so I mean, it's also kind of rare to get something that's so something that you know is going to take its time and is deliciously sort of intellectual. I mean, I'm not really an intellectual, but I mean, I've got half a brain. And so it's always that's to have something that's intellectually stimulating and also is, I mean, we know it's a conceit because the, we, they, this meeting probably didn't happen. But to have two of the, you know, two of the greatest minds of the 20th century sit in a room and have a chat and see and see what's up is if that doesn't if that doesn't light a little fire, then, it, then, it, then there's something wrong with you, I, I reckon. Although I was obviously a little bit worried in the fact that I'm I'm going to be playing a character that he's already played perfectly well in Shadowlands. So, which is a, one of my favourite films. It still is. So, yes, I was a little bit scared. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, when the, it, that kind of project just chooses you in, 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 in all its essence. So, 
Um, yeah. And as you said, you're working in almost a complete two-hander with Sir Anthony Hopkins, one of the greatest to ever do it. How much prep time and rehearsal time did you two have together before you started shooting? Well, um, I go, before I had a good two, because the film get, kept getting put back a little bit. So uh, originally it was like, oh, we're going to have like a couple of months. And it ended up probably being about four months, which was great. I don't have an office at home. My wife does, um, but I don't. And so I, <laughs> and I'm not jealous, but um, <laughs> No, but I use because I use the bathtub as my okay. office. So sure. I, I, I was like a prune, but I was That's having a great a office day. though. I knew the way that we were going to film. It was going to require me to. I was like, I'm not taking any chances. I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to. I'm going to do this. Like it's. A, I'm going to know the whole script before I go in because I'm not sure of what the schedule is going to be like. And it actually, was it turned out to be wonderful because the schedule we we did it in narrative order, which is very rare. And that's kind of one of the skills, I guess, of, of our job, really, is to be able to jump in at any given moment in the script and it's smoke and mirrors, baby. But th- with this, we got to do it as if it was a play, which was very useful. So I've been, I was having two or three, I was in the bar for like five or six hours a day for a couple of months. And I, and I recorded Tony's other, so I, I was playing with, I mean, if you'll excuse the expression, I was playing with myself. So there'd be a voice on my, on my, on my phone and I'd do it like that. And I'd, it's quite a fun way of doing it, actually. Um, but Tony's a bit like me. It's like, well, you know, you often don't get onto a set until it's the day you're doing it. And there's certainly no point rehearsing it in a hotel room because then you're like, well, I was kind of more comfortable when I was leaning on the television and, you know, by the bar. Um, and I don't love rehearsal, but we actually did. We, we, you know, we said we blocked it. We blocked it and, we would, um, and then we shot it, you know. Quite standard, standard operating practice, sir. <laughs> nice. I I think that you know one of the most challenging things as an actor, even though it's in many ways one of the most basic, is to sit in silence and react to your scene partner while still giving your own character a personality, um, yeah. which you have to do a lot of in this film. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I do get ran- I do get ranted at quite a bit. Um, yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering how you keep a character like this uh, from feeling bland. Well, thank you, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I am saying that you did that. So, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to, you know, you, just because you're not speaking doesn't mean you're not alive. And, and, you know, so, I mean, listening is, is such a huge part of this job. You know, I like to think I've, I have that a little bit of that ability, which is great. And and also, I mean, I guess one of the things also, I found this really wonderful snippet well, whilst I was doing my sort of deep dive on Lewis, where I found this video on, was it on YouTube? I think it was on YouTube, of Douglas Gresham. So way past this story and into the 50s or whenever it was, yeah, it would have been late 50s, when he married Joy Gresham and she died of cancer, obviously. And he, he adopted the two sons. And Douglas Gresham, I found him in some house in Ireland doing a video, and he was being interviewed by somebody. And he gave, and he gave me this just wonderful little snippet because I, as much as I can learn from, there's a book called Surprised by Joy that, that, that Lewis wrote in 55, where he talks about his early life in it. You never necessarily always believe an author as well. And yeah, so I got this nugget of, of Douglas in his 60s kind of saying, how much he loved Lewis and 
how you know even when he when he was young he would run he would run into his office without knocking and Lewis would be working and he'd be loud and jump and he just said that he would always have time for me he was always so patient he was always so kind the man had such great humanity and that kind of made you know I mean I know it, sounds, it does sound sort of nothing that you couldn't have picked up probably from other people writing stuff and and some of the other stuff I'd heard other people say about this but to have just the way that he said it it really gave me a it feeds into your sort of what I'm trying to answer you here, but I promise you, is that even though Freud is trying to tear shreds out of the man, and there's a he accepts it, he takes it, he's a Christian, and 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 it's complicated. But I think, as you say, there's a rich internal life which hopefully is is coming across in my eyes as I'm listening. I don't know. There's a lot going on, you know. There's a lot to yeah. unpack at all times. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Absolutely. And that comes across beautifully, I think. You've done several films that take place in and around World War II, between this and The Imitation Game, Allied. Um, and each of them, you play a character that has a different perspective on what's going on. Um, yeah, I didn't plan it, but, you know, <laughs> but I think I have quite a good hit rate with with that sort of, with 1940s stuff. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, like as you you know take on more of these roles that you know give you a different perspective on what was going on in England at the time, do you find that? you learn more about what it must have been like to live then and are there any issues that resonate with you more deeply as you cover this subject matter i love it i mean the, one of the first things i do um for any character really particularly if it's i mean i, I wouldn't do it if it was like star trek obviously because i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be able to have you know i go to the national gallery mm -hmm. oh always, yeah because it's great because there were these paintings that were painted of, of, of you find paintings of the era, so you can kind of get, you know, micro, you know, sometimes with a, like, you know, um, a magnifying glass, and you'll be like, okay, that's interesting costume. I like how that person's standing. Not so you're going to, so you start to kind of just, it gives you a feel for things. It's also very, much more interesting to go and have a chat with with your costume designer if if they've actually, if you can go in saying, oh, I saw this painting, and um, uh, I really like this. What do you say? <laughs> so at least you sound interested. But, but yeah, I'm, you know, it's always, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, something like the imitation game, we were actually filming at Bletchley Park. So it, it really made the hair stand up on the back of your neck. I mean, we're in the bar where they would have socialised. Cheering would have been in here. It's almost like you're getting to, to touch the DNA of, of, of these real people. I mean, I mean so that was, that was based on truth. That was, that was a real story. And, and Cumberbatch was marvellous. But, you know, but even if you're doing something that's from a novel, you know, it, 
you know, you know you, you've got to make it flesh. You've got to make it absolutely truthful. So I lo- I love it because you can't you can't you read enough books of the time. I'm always reassociating. Even if you've done it, you're re- always reassociating yourself with the era, the period, and and you know getting all the socio-economic, political stuff as much information as you can. And it's just it was an extraordinary time. And luckily, I'm not speaking German, which is great. <laughs> Although German is a very pretty language. Yes, very. <laughs> a German wine, German wine, on the other hand, mm. is absolutely sensational. Oh, I don't think I've ever had yeah. German wine. I'll have a, to see that. A, a lot of, a lot of, um, oh God, what's the name for someone who's an expert on wine? Sommeliers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which is clearly not me. A lot of sommeliers <laughs> love German wine, let me tell you. Yes. Very good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, off topic here. I'm sorry, that's my fault. I'm very <laughs> no, it's fine. We are coming up on the end of our time together, but I oh, wanted great. to ask, I had to ask, um, you know, I saw that Christopher Nolan recently said that he thought Zack Snyder's Watchmen, which you were in, was a film that was ahead of its time. And okay. I'm that's I'm nice. wondering, if, yeah, yeah, wonderful. And if wondering if there was any other film of yours that you thought that Chris Nolan due... might have watched, <laughs> no, that I that you think, think is so. due for a reappraisal from people, oh, okay. like that's... that. Um, oh crikey! I mean, I try not to. I, I I've got a memory like a sieve. So yeah, give me a second <laughs> to think about what work I've done in my life. Right? <laughs> It could do with a reappraisal. I mean, I guess I tell you what it was because I've got a couple of films that I was very proud to get part of. Because obviously, mm-hmm. when you when you're English, you are stealing someone else's job if you're there in America. Particularly, <laughs> particularly if yes. you're, not, you're not a star, which I'm <laughs> right. Oh, um, wow. So there's so I was very proud to to work with Scott Frank on a film called The Lookout, and. Oh. I wouldn't say it's ahead of its time, but I, there's a lot of people who've never seen it. And like, I'm really like Jeff Daniels is so good in it, and so's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and so's God. There's so many good people in it. Um, so that's a little treat. I mean, if you if, if you want something, it's like a it's a little heist. It's a tiny little heist movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was quite fun. And Stoker is was a film that, that I don't know. Love I don't know Stoker. Who, who sees these? It didn't. It didn't set the world alight at the box office. Sadly, no. Yeah. yeah. But but it was a joy to work with. Oh, my God. I mean, director Park and Chan Hoon Chan, who's a wonderful DAP. Yeah. Like, so that was, if people haven't seen that, I'd say, you know, go and watch it for and Nicole Kidman and Mia Vazikowska, just fantastic. You know? And Jackie Weaver. I mean, it was Shangri-La again. And not just, yeah. I've, I've done well with my actors over the years, that's for sure. I've been in some very fine company you really have <laughs> yeah. don't take it lightly because if you think about it i'm getting 50 50 of my performance from the other people at least yeah. so so if those people are amazing it makes me better it's like playing tennis if you play against a junior it's not really yeah. going to be a huge amount of fun or great game but if you play against if you, give, if you want to get boris maybe if you got boris becker if you, want to get, if you want to have a crack with federer you know bring it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have, but I think that's a great way to end it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on the show. No, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations okay. on the film. Okay, thanks, man. Have a good rest of your day. You too.
Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with one of the stars from Freud's Last Session, Matthew Good, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Freud's Last Session is now currently playing in theaters from Sony Pictures Classics. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.